give our brother Dick Williams a big New Life welcome this morning. Thanks so much, folks. This is always a prime time stop for us. Aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus has given us access and audience in a new, a living way into the very presence and holy of holiness? And on the base of his, his perfect performance and none of our own, we're able to come sometime even in our frailties and faults to pour out our hearts and receive a fresh influx of his grace that is his divine enablement and favor and also his mercy where we've just plain fouled up and need to be renewed to forgiveness and cleansing had that in mind when I wrote this song sometimes in the weary circumstance of simply it would seem I've nothing left for giving. Lord, to you. Yet the fire that tries my soul gently melts my spirit. Wondrous is the flow of my worship to you. Hallelujah, 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 Lord Jesus, I love you, I lift my hands up to you as a child would to his father, saying, take me, take me, ever nearer, closer yet to you. On your lap I sing to you the song you have given me. With my spirit's eyes behold your smiling, majestic face. Hallelujah, 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 Lord Jesus, I love you. Now a beggar child had roamed the streets. Now sits adopted on the lap of Jesus, King of Kings, he lays his scepter down to touch my face. He brushes back my hair that I may see his face more clearly. On his hand I see the scar of love that bled for me. Hallelujah, 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 Lord Jesus, I love you.
You know, folks, it is imperative as we survey the pages of the Gospels, we receive the revelation of Jesus Christ as our example. But it is equally important that we receive the revelation of Jesus Christ as our enabler to walk out that example. What he modeled for us as God on earth and yet as a man in total dependence upon the Holy Spirit was he modeled for us in power and purity, dynamic and demonstration of both love and acts of deliverance. What he modeled for us he manufactures in us as we are given over to him and learn the art of the heart of walking moment by moment with him. And when we foul up and fumble, and we will and we do, to be quick to repent, and if we take sizable business loops off the freeway into the North 40, a God knows where he knows where and knows how to retrieve us and get us back on course living in union with his life in us and learn to move in the momentum of Christ in us and in the buoyancy force and flow of his life learning to drink from the dynamic of the artesian well that is Christ within and which he promised resultingly out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That is through the conduits of our gaze, our gestures, our countenance, our attitude and action, we become the feet of Jesus to walk, to bear the good tidings. How beautiful are the feet of those on the mountains. We become his hands extended in generosity, encouragement, and the mice growing of unity instead of division. And when he came into our hearts and lives and into our spirit, we became perfect in our new creaturehood, standing in judicial perfection of his righteousness, created in righteousness and holiness of the truth, and in depths became his sons and daughters with a sense of a deep cry of Abba, Father, Daddy, Lord, through Jesus Christ. And at that time, our solical being, that is our personalities, our self-awareness of how we think, will, and choose, mind, will, and emotions, desperately needed to be restored and desperately needed the translation of the perfect salvation of the sozo, of the wholeness of our spirit into our solical being as our soul would growingly become an expression of God. And the Spirit would work in the formation in our solical being, our personalities, of becoming an expression of the Lord. That is the perfect salvation that he's worked into us. There is an operation that we need to cooperate with in the working out of it. Philippians 2.12 sums it up. It says, work out your own, it's yours, salvation 
total deliverance with a certain fear and trembling, with a certain reverential seriousness, but be given over to God knowing that it is him who by grace works in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. That's what we'll consider this morning, our responsibility to cooperate as he operates to reproduce the expression of himself in us. Those things that just please and bring ecstatic delight to him and we find in his pleasure is our highest delight because by divine design, we were created for him. He desired a family, and he provided his only begotten son to become a sacrifice for us, who rose up from the ashes of death and rose up and was postured to enter stage center of our heart on personal invitation as our personal Lord and Savior. Thus began the perfect on-course destiny unto heaven, and meanwhile on our journey here on earth, a journey into solical wholeness, as he would above all that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. In his kind daddiness, he does that, but in his marvelous power of operational grace within, he's able to produce that. We need to be given over to the process. Hallelujah. Jesus is here and his spirits are sweet moving among us and washing our feet each new breath we're breathing now seems to repeat Jesus is here right now Jesus is here and he's touching each mind freeing us now from the thoughts that would bind Open your heart and I'm sure you will find Jesus is here right now It's imperative we have an underscored biblical understanding of God's priorities and passion those things that bring him pleasure and adopt those as our own they are itemized and italicized in scripture. And I'm gonna to touch on the key ones this morning so we have an idea of what brings pleasure and delight to his father heart, enable us to live under the consciousness of his smile. Now he loves us, whether we're obedient or not. He loves us as much as ever. We don't earn his love, but there are things that as we share a commonality of his passion and priorities that bring tremendous pleasure to his heart. As I converse with my sons in the natural and I hear them share their wildest hopes and dreams and visions and I underscore sometimes check and balance those as a father and yet as I see the purity and authenticity of the character of Christ formed within them it makes me ecstatic with a daddy kind of delight. And our Heavenly Father is much more to the max. Much more to the max. Delighted as he sees those things that we would have in common with him that bring pleasure to him, that bring pleasure to us. When my wife and I were courting 
on outreach over in Copenhagen, Denmark. And it was a span of just uh, two weeks. And as we would share with people in the pelting rain and sleet of the fierceness of that climate, a couple of California kids, times we would need to steal away over gourmet coffee, which they discovered long before we did in America, and some of that patented Danish pastry would begin to have an exchange of the heart and find things we had in common. Things we had in common in our music and movies that we'd seen and people that we had known and the commonality of it produced joy. Commonality was what brings God pleasure and brings us pleasure too, produces the joy of the Lord which is our strength. And we're able to move about in a forlorn, dark, dreary, hurting, fallen world with a joy that defies description. It's joy unspeakable, and yet it's joy expressible. So as we move along in word and song, there'll be an occasional personal word of prophetic encouragement. I know we've got another shift coming in, so I've got to be a steward of the time this morning, and we'll do that. I can't create time, but I can operate and get the most out of it to the max as I'm given over to the Lord who did create time. Personal words. Lady in the white sweater, this is a word for you. What is your first name? Cynthia, Cynthia do you said? Cindy. Cindy. All right. Cindy, she's not trendy. She's solid. There's a solidity of love for people that is consistent. There is a delight in the presence of the Lord and in the beauty of the Lord. You share David's presence of this one thing I desire, to behold your beauty in your temple. And that's you. You take supreme delight in coming to where the Lord is celebrated. And where there's been areas of loneliness, the Lord has seen it as opportunity for solitude and been invasive and made himself personally felt and sensed by you which is your highest delight, and you're going to be receiving more of the same, Cindy. God bless that to you. Hallelujah. Let me just continue to kind of, kind of wait. What's your name? Galen. Galen, yeah. authentic. Highly authentic, a meat and potatoes guy anointed with the gravy of God. That's just who you are. And there's a genuine love for people. You love to kind of sit and tell stories of your life and testimony and serve up slices. And you can see that the Lord was there to preserve you through some tough times over the years. And a lesser man would have quit and folded like a $2 suitcase, but you didn't. God was there, and you recognized he was there, and he's brought you to here. And there's kind of a droll, a droll sweetness of spirit that characterizes you as a storyteller and one who shares his life history to the glory of God. God bless that to you. What's your name? Flo. Flo flows in the spirit and she's tremendously supportive and knows how to recognize when people are hurting and need a timely word of encouragement. You're the handmaiden of the Lord in that regard and it's service with a smile. I'm underscoring the good things that the Lord has deposited to you according to Philemon 1 and 6. And that's primarily the mission of New Testament prophecy. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's from 
1 Corinthians 14 and 3, back to Philemon, it says that the effectual communication of your faith would be enhanced by the acknowledgement of the good things in you that God's deposited. If there's any good thing in me, God's the source. But it becomes mine in newness of nature that I partake of, and as the newness of nature becomes evermore the consistent demonstration and manifestation of our soul as there is a cooperation with the operation of God with those that bring him pleasure. Itemization number one that brings him pleasure. According to John 4.23, he scans the earth, diligently seeks those to worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship. To worship as a verb is most often translated in the New Testament in a Greek word, proskuneo, which means from a place of yieldedness to kiss. It combines submission and reverence with deep affection. That's what it does. And we have a capacity to worship him when our spirit is reborn and to enter into a spirit consciousness becomes a practice and he gives us ways of means of doing it. One thing is thanksgiving. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart and sometime it's good to pause even in the worst of times and to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for letting me be born. Thank you for letting me be born in America. Thank you for gifts that you have given unto me to give unto others. Thank you that I'm alive and breathing. Thank you for the bevy and repertoire of your promises that cover my every need. I may not be experiencing it yet, but I refuse to sell out to lack and I know that sooner or later, you're going to supply all of my needs manifestly according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Thanks for me being in the midst of the depth of this trial. Thanks for being with me in this mountaintop of revelation, Lord, where I'm soaring with the eagles. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, another thing I'm going to touch on that we've allowed to be somewhat controversial in the body of Christ is our spirit the ability to express a language that we've not learned in the natural, and it's basically coined as speaking in tongues or speaking in a heavenly language. And Paul asked rhetorically, do all speak with tongues? A rhetorical question is one the answer is obvious, no. But he said, I would that you all did it. If it's in the book, we should want it but if it's in the book and God graces us with it, God deliver us from acting superior just because we have something that somebody else hasn't come into yet. I've never raised the dead yet, but it's in the book. I want to do it. I've heard Andrew Womack's testimony on that. He's seen it happen eight times. Uh, guys like David Hogan that have seen this happen of the raising of the dead. If it's in the book, I want to do it. I haven't had occasion to have to or be put on the spot to do it. But if it's in the book, I want it. Paul had an excursion into the third heaven. It's in the book. I've yet to do that. I've had friends that have and have described it to me, not with a sense of superiority, but just ecstatic appreciation to God. As we are on course with seeking the Lord first and foremost to know him in greater intimacy and make him known, He's going to bring us into encounters and experiences. 
In the case of uh, Andrew Womack, Andrew came into the fullness of the Spirit a number of years after he was born again. You'll remember that Jesus in the 20th chapter of John breathed the Spirit into the disciples. They were rebirthed. That was after his resurrection. But he told them to wait upon him in the upper room there in the book of Acts and in Acts 2 there was a mighty rushing wind. Now sometime the Spirit descends as a gentle dove, as a gentleman. Different people will experience this in different ways, but it's when that which is indwelling in our spirit, and you will never have any more of the Holy Spirit than you did than at the time you were born again, but he will have more of you through the baptism in the spirit. Baptism implies initiation and immersion. We see it happen in water, but this time the element, and it's when there is this rush into our solical being that permeates and fills us, goes like a geyser and falls upon us. Andrew experienced it in waves of liquid love. Charles Finney in kind of the same kind of way. And it is a second encounter, but I've seen it come as a double-barrel blessing with a one-two punch of the Holy Spirit where someone is born again and they come into the fullness and they immediately overflow in speaking in tongues. The thing isn't the tongues, it's the fullness of the Spirit. When I bought these shoes, the tongues came with. <laughs> Sometime it comes a little later, and I was so glad I asked a guy the question who wasn't flaunting it, but he'd had the experience, and I respected his walk because he had the fruit of the Spirit. And I said, Millard, this is Millard Parrish, a friend of mine at UCLA, Talk to me about speaking in tongues. Why in the world would anybody want it? He said, Dick, it's an added dimension of praise. You've heard the old hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise and worship. But it is an added dimension of being able to pray because we don't always know how to pray as we ought to. And it's an additive to know how to pray. And he said, sometime in the midst of the congregation, someone will bring a message from the Spirit and yet it's interpreted by the Spirit, and the interpretation operates very much like the gift of prophecy. Now, I've been in situations before where someone spoke a message in tongues, and it just so happened somebody happened to be there from out of the country, and that was their native tongue. I saw it happen with someone speaking in an old French dialect, and there was a librarian, a linguistic scientist who was there, one of the few people that was familiar with that language. And she came into the fullness of the spirit and the overflow of a heavenly language as a result of that. I was in a situation in Thousand Oaks, California. We had a brother from Africa, I forget, I think it was Kenya that was ministering. He was the guest and somebody came forth with a message in tongues and there was an interpretation by the spirit but he stood up and said, you know, they were speaking in an old Swahili dialect that I grew up hearing, and the interpretation was just like we heard it. It was come to the waters and drink in depths of the flow of the life of the Lord within you. A uh, young friend, uh, back when he was 16 years old, Steve Peters. Steve was just a wild man, full of the Holy Ghost, a young teenager. He went over there with his senior pastor, Harry Decker, to Mexico, and before Harry could corral him, he ran right up and with a smile got in this Mexican guy's face and began to speak in turns. It turned out it was in fluent Spanish. He'd never learned it before. And as a result, 
the Mexican gentleman repented, received Jesus, and was born again. So, you know, there is all manner of things available to us. Angelic visitation. We have friends in um, Riverton, Wyoming. They minister primarily uh, to First Nation people, Native Americans. Native Americans have a spiritual heritage. A lot of it's the dark side of the yeah. spirit. And, you know, there are things that will go on, manifestations of demonic shape-shifting, for example, changing forms. I used to think that was folklore that they made 1950s uh, werewolf movies out of. It actually happens. And when they saw that happen, the Lord began to give angelic manifestations of warriors in heavenly light from regalia that begin to appear in their home and converse with them because they needed that manifestation in view of what they were having to deal with. And the Lord will see to it that we get a revelation education on where we're at. We don't pride ourselves in these things, but it'll come with the territory of our calling. Dave Hogan was called to an obscure place in Mexico to minister to the Aztecs. And he's there standing, witnessing to a witch doctor who suddenly turns into a bat right there in front of him. You're talking about something that shook him up? He said, Lord, I want to know that your power is far greater than the devil, that you could flick him just like that if you wanted to. But you have chosen through the finished work of Calvary to appoint and anoint us to enforce victory over the devil to the praise of your glory and hear his spine crunch under our feet. David began to, with fair regularity, begin to, under the power of God, raise the dead. I've yet to do that, but I've heard David's account. I've been in places where he's been, and I want to see that happen. I saw it happen when we were at um, Colorado Springs in Woodland Park, a baby that had just stopped breathing, and the frantic mother brought that baby. I shared this last night and laid her on a platform, and a crowd of ministers began to gather around and in the authority of Jesus speak life into those little lungs. If it's in the book, we need to want it. But it comes from wanting to have more of Jesus manifest in our lives. And when we've got that, we're on course with encounters. We don't flaunt these things with any kind of superiority because the Lord will love us just as much. And what somebody else has experienced that you and I have yet to experience does not make us a stepchild. Are we, on, are we understanding what I'm saying here? Hallelujah. Praise God. Some of the folks that I've known that have come into an encounter with the baptism or fullness of the Spirit and spoke in tongues and went on to there, became some of the flakiest, shakiest people that I've ever known in my life because they didn't continue on in the flow of it and continue to flaunt it as something they experienced in the camp meeting of 97. And, uh, you know, that was kind of, kind of it. And some people I know that haven't come into that experience and expression yet are some of the sweetest, more fruit of the spirit bearing folks that I've ever known. So if it's in the book, let's want it. Let's desire it. Desire spiritual gifts. But it goes on to say, especially that you might prophesy. I do workshops on that, by the way. I'm going to be doing it in Modesto, California and seeing people begin to come into the uh, prophetic ministry. It's not some exclusive kind of thing. If you can talk, you can prophesy. Now, some people obviously have more of a specialty in that than others. But going on from there, worship in spirit and truth delights God. The proskuneo 
from the place of yieldedness and pouring out our hearts. And thanksgiving is an excellent device and practice for coming into God's presence. And if you happen to have the capacity to pray in tongues, I remembered when I received that gift. It was through the laying on of hands of George Otis Sr., who was one of the patriarchs of the charismatic movement back in the 60s. And I came into the fullness and it was just like I thought I was going to explode. My seams were going to come apart. And George looked at me and says, Dick, if you want to, you have a capacity to speak in a language you haven't learned. And he said, right now, do you have the faith to just give him your tongue, your lips, your voice at the same time and let him shape a language? I said, Lord, and George, I do. And I immediately began to, at first it was just kind of baby babble, didn't make sense for a few seconds, but the Lord intersected it and gave utterance to a language. I started out with, I didn't even remember, what I said was, the Lord loves you, he's given a land of good gifts, press into him and know that he will bestow those if you ask him for a a bread he won't give you a stone if you ask him for a fish he won't give you a snake how glad he is to give an ever-flowing manifestation the gifts that he has at hand that's the interpretation of what i just said and it was kind of a demonstration of how it was but i because i was filled with the spirit i was filled with faith to step out like that there's people that'll use all kind of devices they'll hit you with karate chops in the back and say siggy siggy boom boom real fast you know that's just methodology we don't need that kind of stuff we do need coaching sometime in faith on how to release what's already on deposit within us praise the lord i think you know the difference don't you hallelujah so i lift adoring hands as i sing before your throne with your love's consuming fire Make my trembling heart your own With the incense of my heart My impassioned lips proclaim Holy, holy is the Lamb Holy, holy is your name King of kings and Lord of lords Reap in glorious wings of praise Holy, holy is the Lamb Ruler, the ancient of days. Jesus, you have melted me. I may flow triumphantly. My soul is healed, my spirit's free. And to take your face to see. Behold the King upon his throne in brilliant light. Will reign forever. By his right hand he breaks the tempest's might. He will reign forever. Holy, holy is the Lamb who for our sin was slain. The grave could not contain. He reigns forever. Worship in spirit and truth delights him and what delights him with a passion and evokes his smile. He works in us both to will and to do as we cooperate 
when he operates and a primary way of coming into his conscious presence and the release of worshiping from the depths is thanksgiving. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. The Lord is also delighted with love. He loves it when we receive his love. I've had times to where I've felt so low I couldn't reach up to scratch a snake's belly. I felt like I was a zero with a rim knocked out as far as Christian performance. But the Lord would say, in your brokenness, Dick, in your heart cry, in your contriteness, you have my attention. You, because you reverence me, and I want you to open up your heart and receive a revelation of my love. It's length. He said, I reached with length across an ocean when you and your wife were courting to bring you two together when you were pushing 30 and wondering why in the world you weren't married yet, which for my generation, that was ripe. For millennials and, and, and others, Xers, uh, uh, you know, you tend to wait longer. But for, for that time, I mean, if you were pushing 30 and weren't married yet, uh, you had some issues. <laughs> she was pushing 27. And there was a time in my smug singularity in my mid-20s, and I was the unofficial president of Bachelors for the Rapture. I was fine with being single. But I began to sense a need in my heart, and the Lord's love reached across an ocean as two California kids who barely knew one another and lived an hour from one another on the interstate freeway of 101, he brought and brought us together. The love of God is broad. We've seen him in case nations. We spent time in East Europe in several different countries back when they were East Bloc and under the oppression of communism and saw just the beauty of the Lord working through multiple ethnicities. Hallelujah. It's broad. It's deep. It will reach us in our deepest cravings and yearnings and need, but also even in dark nights of the soul when we feel shattered after a proverbial Humpty Dumpty's fall and feel like a pile of smithereens. It'll reach into those depths. And we need to acknowledge that that's the love of God. It reaches us in mountaintop experiences to where we are consciously aware of seated and rested at his right hand, getting prophetic perspective and squeezing off air-to-air -air missiles that are knocking out satanic satellites out of the air. The love of God is a ever-broadening revelation, and Paul spoke of it in Ephesians, to know the breadth and the length, the depth and the height of the love of God. And folks, when we know we are loved, when we know we are loved, we become emboldened. Hallelujah. We sense that we are precious to God, and the blood of Jesus says we are extravagantly and generously loved by the Lord and creator of the universe. And when we know we're loved, we're released to reciprocate and love him. I used to have people say, Dick, you've got to love the Lord. And I'd try to conjure it up. I couldn't do it to save my neck. And the harder I tried, the more my baser inclinations arose up out of my flesh. But one day the Lord said, you're able to love me when you get the revelation that I first love you. So Dick, just settle down, relax in my arms, don't look at your performance. I love you as is with the ability to change you 
into deep down who you want to manifestly be. And as I got a handle on that and began to rest on it, I was released to love him and I was energized and inspired to obey him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will resultingly keep treasure, my commands, my promptings, my directives. Hallelujah. Lord loves it as he sees us love one another. I was celebrating my uh, uh, 79th birthday. It was last September. I'm going to be 80 come September again. You know, the big 8-0. Here we are doing what we're doing, and I'm trying to maintain my clay. I exercise regularly and do what I need to do and uh, so forth and eat semi-healthily, getting better at that. Um, but I'll tell you, I was sitting there reading those cards, and yeah, they had some nice Amazon gift cards in them, and some checks and the like, and some cash, and I'm fine with those, but rather than spending those in my mind, which eventually I did, by the way, and enjoyed spending, <laughs> uh, this shirt is a product of one of them, and uh, you know, I read the endearing things that they'd written in their own handwriting. My two sons and my daughters in love and my grandson, Jackson, in his writing. He's quite articulate for a kid pushing 14 and quite a writer and just the appreciation. And I could understand how God in his patriarchal tenderness delights in those worship expressions of his kids and how when he sees how much that they know that they're loved and I could express my love for my kids and my family and could see them laughing and love one another and joking around and having a blast, I could understand something of Psalm 132 where it says, this is my rest forever here while I dwell for the Lord has chosen Zion for his habitation. He will abundantly bless her provision, satisfy her poor with bread. He will clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout for joy. The gathering unto him, and the revelation of knowing that they are loved, and they are released to express extravagant love back to him. Hallelujah. God treasures love. And there's times when it's going to collide with old offenses when we need to render forgiveness we need to be quick to forgive and release offenses without attaching a bungee cord to them God revels with ecstatic delight as that begins to be formed in us faith Jesus is jazzed when it comes to faith he sees a Roman centurion this guy has no religious upbringing from Judaism whatsoever he's strictly a Gentile but he is a man, a soldier, who has a revelation of Jesus as the ten-star general of the legions of heavenly angels that far outnumber the demons. And he is able to say, Lord, I understand authority. All you've got to do is speak the word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, I haven't seen such faith even in Israel. Syrophoenician woman that pressed in, not a daughter of Israel, but had the vision of him being the redeemer of all nations and pressed in on that basis 
and her daughter was set free from oppression. The Lord delights in faith. He is extravagantly and ecstatic over joyful generosity, learning to sow and reap, learning that everything we have financially, substantially, is not our own manufacturing. We are given as stewards. We don't own it. I don't own my finances. I don't own my talents. Both natural aptitude of singing and ministry specialty in the prophetic, I don't own it. I'm a steward of it. And as I sow that forth and release it, I want to see it multiplied, but we also receive a multiplied return on it. Uh, there was a period of uh, several months ago, it was the worst financial month we'd ever had. We were converged on by household repairs, much of which insurance uh, didn't cover. The insurance homeowners usually look for exits out of whatever, especially if it's plumbing situations. And there were veritable thousands of dollars we were responsible for. And, and the Lord said, I want you to sow beyond what you've been sowing. And we gave. You know, ministries that had been storehouse feeding sources for us and released it with joy, saying, Lord, multiply it in advancing your kingdom. That's our motive. We're not giving to get. We're giving, but we know that there's a cause and effect and a spiritual law of reciprocation. And we saw money coming in from the four winds more than I'd ever seen in a comparable period of time. And we're able to pay for those things as well as put a sizable down payment on a car that we desperately needed for ministry. Hallelujah. God loves cheerful giving. It may be giving of our time. I've spent time that I've initiated over coffee with someone and made a friend for life. Hallelujah. Back when we pastored down here back in the 80s, we made friends for life, and there are people we still see all over the West and we sit down from them, and it's just like, uh, you know, we never left them, even though we may not have seen them for years. God's good. He loves a hilarious giver. He loves repentance. He delights in repentance when an unsaved sinner comes and receives and embraces the saving grace of Jesus Christ. All heaven cavorts and explodes in joyful choreographed song and dance. I can see him right now as a chorus line when that happens. But he also loves it when a prodigal returns home. And we've seen both of our sons take the unscenic business loop from off the freeway and seen them come back and take and personalize what we had tried to model, although flawed for them, and they came back. And my highest delight, one of them, is conversing with my two sons with Christ in common now. Praise the Lord. He delights in repentance. You may be struggling with a flawed area or fallenness, may have fallen off the wagon back into an old addiction, may feel as worthless as a $3 bill or monopoly money, but God loves you, and you may have had a buildup of a poutiness in the spirit and been mad as all get out at God and everybody else within your sphere of consciousness and may have been given over to some constructive lust and what have you, but there is a coming to ourselves of constructive conviction 
and we see the folly of those ways, but see that the Lord is postured to grace us with repentance. He won't repent for us, but gives us the opportunity. And last with the prodigal, he'd taken a few steps forward. He was all, all, already rehearsing his apology. The father takes off across the landscape to embrace him and smothers him with hugs and kisses. Hallelujah. That's our daddy as revealed through Jesus Christ. Those are things that delight the heart of God. Hallelujah. What's your name? Molly. Molly. Oh, good God, Miss, God, Miss Molly. What a, what a fabulous mom you are. Times where you've had to really go it alone in some ways, and yet the Lord appreciates the sacrifice and the givingness of your heart, and he's been there for you, and he's opening your eyes to the fact and commending you just on your maternal tenderness that is so appointed and anointed and the fruit in your children that you're going to see as a result of that love investment. <coughs> Glory to God. You know, once again, I've got to be a, a steward of time here. The brother back here with the bandana, what's your name? Tim? Tim, you are a unique original. You've kind of come from the North 40. It's, you can look in your mirror and see zigzags with fresh nose prints where you fall on your face. Listen, I can too. And you saw the Lord invade a situation of the affliction of addiction and begin to turn things around. But let me tell you, there is a gut-level authenticity about you that God just loves and delights in calling you son and you're going to come and are coming into a freedom of a certain profundity of prophetic ability to hear his voice and to declare it. Hallelujah. Now, a lot of times, folks, these things are multiplied and they'll hop all over the room with dynamic dittos. So something for Tim could have jumped over here to somebody else and it's multiplied like loaves and fishes. Very important to maintain forgiveness. Here's a song about it. By the way, there's music CDs available. There's change in an envelope to serve yourself. They're on the back table. Uh, to my left, behind you on your right. But this is a fun song that I'm going to come to a close with. This is a couple I actually knew, but I changed their names because this is their story. John Travers was a brother fueled by alcohol on his day job he built houses but he lived to drink and brawl now he hung out in a scuzzy bar down on Main and Merle, where the low life level railed and drove like there's no tomorrow if with the eye of your spirit you're looking on the scene You'd see something so much more than humans wild and mean. Now a team of demons danced on John, parading right through him, hanging on and swinging like a playground jungle gym. They cackled like a hen house, whiskey flowing like a river. They lit their chops with demon dreams of cirrhosis of the liver. They roared with wild approval. When Johnny busted heads, hey, they pushed his cussing button as they laughed at all he said. Ah, oh, but hang on, saints, this story's not quite through. 
Hallelujah. Hang on, saints, the best is yet to come. Now John, he had a praying wife, sweet Cindy, five foot two. A hundred pounds of praying power, God had lit her fuse. Kneeling by the bed each night, she prayed with power and tears. Force of angels gathered in that room and covered me. Came against the stronghold, set like bunkers in John's mind. That angel heard from Jesus as he gave his troops a sign. You'll listen up to warriors, well, a hell cell just unlocked. We're flying down to a sleazy lounge to clean some demons' clocks. This praying lady's faith is like wind that fills my wings. Let's fly on down to Main Street, we got orders from the Meanwhile, down in the tavern, noise had reached the roar, when the company of angels ripped right through the walls and doors. Now the demons shrieked in terror, the angels tore in tune, sent them screaming out into the night with holy sword holes through. John, he sat there stony blind to the battle in the spirit, but he cried out, Jesus, help me, shocked his friends as they did hear him. Oh, but hang on, saints, the story's not quite through. Hallelujah. Hang on, saints, the punchline's yet to come. John staggered in the night toward home with the terror that he felt. Heard Cindy praying in their room, he cried beside her now. With their arms around each other, he cried out for Jesus Christ. How oh, the angels laughed and gave high fives, said, Hey, this job is nice. Meanwhile, in hell's headquarters, mangled troops eluded, said Sir John Travers, through the coop, once more our kingdom's looted. His six foot four is ours, no more did all that we could do. But we've been kicked back into hell by a plane, five foot two. Yeah, yeah, Hades hounds, don't you mess around with the Jesus praise and praying five foot two. Oh, She's a praying five Hallelujah. God bless that to your heart and soul. Pastor Trevor. Praise God. Thank you so much, Brother Dick. What a blessing that was. Uh, let's uh, pray together. Dearly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for the word that was spoken today. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just continue to stir up in us that hunger for the things of God. Lord, that we would, uh, God, we would, uh, that you would increase our faith today. Uh, it becomes so easy just to go through the motions of life, but God, we pray that you would put Holy Spirit, this, this holy fire and hunger in us to yearn for the things of God, not to just muddle through life, but to know, God, that we have access to the power of your name and your word through your spirit. We thank you for that, Jesus. We worship you today. Let us, and all that we do, bring you uh, honor and glory. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, church, uh, um, I know uh, our brother will, will be here and his, and his wife, and they would love to say hi to you and uh, maybe give you, uh, uh, pray with you. Um, but uh, God bless you all. We love you so very, very much. Have a wonderful weekend. Happy Veterans Day, and we'll see you all next week. God bless you.